This is London Calling. You are listening to Thought and Leaders. Hello, 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 and welcome again to another global podcast that is Thought and Leaders. As you know, I scour this beautiful, elegant, amazing, magnificent planet of ours to reach out for the most inspiring, the most intriguing, the most amazing thought leaders out there. Now, speaking about this planet, I want you to think about this, dear listener. Imagine I am in a place, okay, where in the distance I can see pink magnolia. I'm about seven miles inland near a river. The climate here, although this is 2021, beginning of 2021, in winter, most years, it's a bit like a languid spring in terms of the temperature. Am I in a place like Darjeeling? Am I somewhere where they could grow up, for example, tea? I'm going to introduce you to the most amazing guy. His name is Jonathan Jones. Jonathan, are we in Darjeeling? Not quite. They're 6,000 feet higher up in the Himalayas than we are. We're just 60 feet above sea level. But your description was brilliant. We are six to seven miles inland from the south coast of Cornwall. Cornwall? Cornwall in the UK. And what we have is this warm water wafting across the Atlantic from the Gulf of Mexico. Right. There's a real microclimate, a true microclimate that is about 150 acres that surrounds both sides of this deep sea creek we call the River Fowl. And that creates morning mist, just like you would get in Darjeeling. And although we're very much lower elevation, all the rest of what we have here is almost identical weather-wise. In fact, we're warmer in January typically than you would be in uh, Darjeeling in India. But what's even more incredible, talking about tea, you are actually growing the tea, and not just growing this tea, you're exporting it around the world. In fact, it's an amazing British success story. Well, thanks. It's taken a long time. It seems to those people that haven't heard about tea actually growing in the UK, it seems like an overnight success story, but these things never are, of course. No. Tea is camellia, and camellia is what we all drink as the great cup of tea, if you like. So this estate uh, has been owned by one family for nearly 700 years, and they grew camellia ornamentally for over 200 years already. So there's a huge history there, but never actually growing the camellia that we drink today. You know, we had different species Mm. in those days. Prior to this, you were the head gardener there, is that right? That is right, Jonathan. I started here in 96, in fact. My background is in horticulture, botany and that kind of thing. And I've been very lucky to work overseas in Japan and other places. And although I am from Cornwall, I never really thought that I would end up back here and find such an exciting opportunity. But this is the largest private garden, certainly in Cornwall, one of the largest in the UK. And I persuaded my Scottish wife that this would be okay for a couple of years. And she agreed. And Mm. 25 years later, we're still here. 
growing these tea bushes is not easy. Is it right it takes about five years or something like that? Tea is a really tricky crop. You talked about Darjeeling at the opening, and the British actually established tea in Darjeeling way back in sort of middle of the 19th century. So it's a it's coming up 200 years old in yeah. in Darjeeling, but it's not native. It's a Chinese native shrub. It takes about five years, as you say, to produce. And, you know, people say, well, what's the point of growing tea in England? But the thought I had back in the late 90s when I discussed it with the owners was that, you know, hmm. it needs a home in the UK. Let's make the most British tea in history. And uh, people thought that's bonkers, as they always do, when something's really new. Although Churchill, way back in the 1940s, he did say that this country should grow mm. tea. They couldn't find enough bushes. The know-how didn't exist. So instead of that, they actually stockpiled tea really? to get through the war effort. So, you know, this country and tea is synonymous, but we've never actually grown any in this country itself. So that was the breakthrough moment that started in about 99 when we planted the first bushes but didn't sell any of that leaf until November 2005. Mm. I remember the book, I think um, You Are What You Buy is one of yours, isn't it? The Brand Messiah, is that right? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. I, I don't know when that came out. It's a, I reckon it was around the same time that we started getting serious about putting the Englishness into English tea and really thinking about provenance. And pe There was a lot more awareness like 20 odd years ago of all of this wasn't there i've always and i know that you have too been speaking about the world as a village because of globalization but really I mean, especially wow i mean jonathan in the last year shrinking the world into not just a village but into a village square thanks to remote working and stuff like that we're just next to each other all the time aren't we what we've worked out during this lockdown period is that people crave contact as you've spoken about in some of your other uh, recordings. But I think that tea is a great thing you can send around the world. And we send out these little packs to people on conferences and, you know, video calls, all the rest of it. Recently, we did one with Cisco, you know, the huge multinational, but based out of California. Yeah. We supplied tea to their locations. And then we conducted a short tea tasting during one of their sort of breakout periods, if you like, during this long day of Zooming and videos and all the rest. It just breaks down this barrier that digital communications have, doesn't it? It really does. And you can hear in the background, I'm clinking about here, because I have got in front of me some of your teas. I'm going to start with the first one here. I'm not going to say what it is yet. I'm just going to give it a, give it a bit of a sniff here. Okay. When you sample tea, yeah, am I supposed to slush it around my mouth am i supposed to give it a what i'm doing now which is giving it a bit of a sniff i'm doing some of the same at my end jonathan so that i can help you right best quality teas are made at lower temperatures so if you've been brought up in the uk it's always boil the water and make the tea really high temperature and it ruins good leaf so let the water cool off a little bit not boiling Three or four minutes is good. Five or six isn't too long. And then go ahead, pour some tea. Mmm. <sighs> oh, that's nice. What you're drinking there is the closest mm. you can produce in this country to a Darjeeling. So it's quite sweet. Um, it's light. 
Um, it's not very strong. It's not like a builder's brew at all. No, it, no, this is definitely not a builder's brew. I've got here, who's just come into the into studio now, our producer now, who is for today, Jonathan, thanks to you, also <laughs> the person who's Charlie. making this tea. Char lady. Yeah, I want you just to taste that. I want you to tell me what you've... Not, not you, Jonathan. The producer's just doing this now. <laughs> Brilliant. What's going through your palate there? It's rather nice. Oh, she's she's enjoying it too much. <laughs> hey, if, is it similar to Assam? <laughs> is it similar to what? Assam. Oh, no, don't say that. No, 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 no. No, it's not wrong. Assam and Darjeeling are quite close. This is just a, a, a milder version. So this would be called the champagne of teas in the tea world. And Really, the champagne of teas? This is uh, what the Brits first established outside of China. 150 odd years ago right the tea tasting fraternity if you like who love to get their hands on this stuff they would say it's quite mossy and quite the notes of muscatel or you know the muscat wine you can get they'll liken it to that but i would just say it's quite light it's not as strong as you would get with a, a truer sam Oh, I could definitely get into this. this is a, honestly, I seriously, listeners, you've got to get this. This tea. so again, just for the listeners, what is this tea called again? So Trigothnan is the state name, and it's it means house at the head of the valley, and it literally describes this tiny part of West Cornwall or Mid Cornwall, really south coast, which is around the River Fal and um, acid soil, eleven hundred millimeters of rain a year. But you're not branding it Camellia then. No, this is just known as the estate name Trigothnan. So this is the single estate. So this goes under that brand. Got it. Yeah. And it's a difficult name to pronounce. But, you know, the, the owner's view was if you buy the best wines from Europe, you, they're often names that you have to spend a lifetime learning. And once you're in that club, you know, you know that you know your stuff kind of thing. Mm. Is it true that you are selling chi to the Chinese? Yes. In fact, I was very fortunate as a result of being in that export world, if you like, to get invited to go with the Prime Minister to China on that jolly a few years ago. Um, and we managed to get the Trigothnan giant teapot onto the 747 at Heathrow. No way. And off we went <laughs> Off we went around China for three days and met Jack Ma and all kinds of great characters. Really? No one knows where he is at the moment. <laughs> I'm afraid not. I hope he's okay. I might, do you know, seriously, Jonathan, I emailed him the day I'd met him, and he responded straight away. What an amazing guy with all that really? busy life that he has. But um, tea opens doors. Wherever you go, people love the fact that we've adopted the Chinese national drink and made it our national drink. Amazing. And now, really, what we're exporting back to China isn't just those leaves. It's not a commodity item, as you often say in your books. It's about the whole experience. And, yeah. You know, we're capturing something about this country and yeah. delivering that in a teacup, hopefully. It seems to be brewed nicely, so I'm going to take my slurp here. Mm. Oh, nicely done. You can slurp better than that. Shall I, I'll show you how to... What? The more you slurp... Oh, I, I've got to slurp it more. Okay. That's better. Taste the difference, Jonathan. Actually, it does taste it different does. when you do that. 
How come? Well, it's like the wine, isn't it? The more aeration you give it, the more exposure it has in your throat to your taste. So far more flavour is released when you get the air into the uh, liquor. I'm going to ask the producer, what do you think of that one? Have a slurp. Actually, have a slurp now. What's playing on your palate? Oh, yeah, it smells beautiful, though. Floral. Are you on Manuka by any chance? Am I on Manuka? Mm. Yeah, we are Manuka. This tea is super strong, so you don't need very much to make an awful lot of tea. And strictly speaking, this is not a tea, it's an infusion, because it doesn't come from the camellia bush. Is this tea good for you, like Manuka honey sort of thing? (laughs) What we're dealing with tea or infusion isn't the honey as such. It's the actual flowers and the leaf of the Manuka bush. What you're drinking there now is, is a little leaf and flower. You need hardly any of it to get loads of flavour. Now, the bees would focus on the flowers. They then process the honey. And as you know, one of the world's most expensive honeys comes from the Manuka bush. Is it true, by the way, Jonathan, that you're also dealing with Taiwan and Australia and New Zealand? Tea is consumed all over the world. Uh, I went to do some tea tastings in Taiwan and found that they're a really innovative tea culture you know they, they've obviously broken away from the mainland and they've got their own twist on the chinese tea making methods but i learned a lot there in fact on my latest trip there i was filming for some um, local television company and in the corner of a pinlin tea factory <laughs> i spotted this pile of husks like a tea seeds that have been squashed and tea seeds and flowers, by the way, have nothing to do with the tea making process. Tea is all of, normally just about leaves. So I said to the guy, what are these um, husks for? And he said, ah, oh, we turn them into dishwasher tablets. <laughs> Been experimenting since. And this September, when our tea flowers here at Tregothland, we actually made a really good uh, oil from the seeds that we could and hopefully will be able to turn into an organic dishwasher tablets. No way. Really? Who'd have thought? Amazing. Now, that's given me a taste for having a cup of tea here. Here we go. go. I'll slurp it for you. Okay, here we go. Ooh, nice. This one is called Choc Mint, and I can definitely taste that. I'm just going to make this quickly myself, because you don't need to infuse this so long. And immediately you get a very minty aroma coming up. Mm Mm-hmm. As it starts to infuse properly, and I've got the leaf in the cup, you probably made it and then infused it into the cup. But it's quite a greeny, purpley leaf and fairly clear liquor. It's quite a pleasant aroma as well as taste, isn't it? Mm. So if you're trying to get healthy in the new year, this is zero calorie chocolate mint. Sounds very indulgent, but actually it's super healthy and I think what we pioneered with this one is not just the ability to grow it in the UK, but the ability to process it at low temperatures. When you normally process herbal infusions, which this is, right. you use high temperature to get the moisture out, whereas this one is cured at low temperature. So you keep the oil, which is what you really taste, in the leaf. And it, right. you just, I think it's really hard to beat. It's very, very indulgent. It's a very good English custom and a stimulant for the brain. When you feel a little weary, a cup will make you cheery and is cheaper than champagne. Now I know just why Franz Schubert didn't finish his unfinished symphony. 
He would have written more about the clock struck far and everything stops watching. Is the largest export market the US for you? Americans already spend more per capita on tea than the Brits. How about that? Really? They drink far less, but they drink more expensive. Not necessarily always better quality. I, I, my explanation for this would be that the Brits have this 400-year-old culture of tea drinking, and we think we know everything about tea when, in fact, we don't. And the Americans have come at it from a much more open-minded perspective that they, they don't profess to be tea experts. So they're much more open to education, and they tend to treat tea better than we do. They don't know even how to pour a cup of tea. <laughs> But that's a better place to start from, Jonathan, because you try, we run these tea tasting courses here in Cornwall and, and now moving them more online. And the Brits are a tough audience because they sit there and they know everything there is to know about tea. Whereas the Americans don't have that baggage. They think, OK, we drink coffee and we think we know a bit about tea. And you're right, they don't make it very well generally. But you know, they're prepared to spend more on better leaf, which is a good start. Yeah. They're prepared to learn pretty much from scratch. So they're a great audience to work with. Hmm. One of the things that they get confused uh, with, <laughs> do you put the milk in first or the tea in first? I go tea in first, but look, it's always... It's but they classic. put the milk in first. Did you ever work for the BBC, Jonathan? It's such a BBC question. Yeah, well, you know I did. <laughs> BBC Television. <laughs> but no, but what's that got to do with it? Well, they, they, every time they come and cover this story, do you put milk in first? <laughs> <laughs> it's their go-to question. <laughs> Have you heard that expression to be miffed? Yeah. Well, I don't know. You can disprove this because you, you're, you're good at investigating stuff like this. But ba back in the big houses of this country, they used to, children would be growing up and drinking tea out of the less good china in the kitchens with the house team, if you like. Mm. They would like to have their milk in first. Right. When they grew up and had, you know, out with the adults, they, they had milk in second and they were miffed. They wanted milk in first. Oh, really? Milk in first. Tea used to be made very hot and it would break the bone china before bone china became, you know, before. They learned how to make it better. By the way, chinaware only happened in this country because of tea. So yeah. the chinawares came in with the early tea exports. And then we discovered in about 1770, I think, that we could actually make our own china clay in the UK from a deposit in Cornwall. Again, Cornwall. Amazing. Again, I know. It's a, a great mineral county. Everyone's talking about Brexit. Mm. I mean, if it's not COVID, it's, it's either the B or the C. How did Brexit affect you? Well... Interesting this, because we expected a fall off in our European customer base, but I think it's done the opposite because our friends in Europe love tea, a bit like the Americans. They're prepared to spend more readily on better quality tea. So we have a distributor in Switzerland who distributes for us across Switzerland and also into Austria and a bit into Germany. With the wonders of the internet, we can take orders today for pretty much anywhere in the EU and have them delivered this week, sometimes even next day. Right, next cup here, because I can't wait to get to this next cup. Okay, I'm just going to take a... Oh, that's very different. Try that. Get more verbena. Oh, really? What, what, what are you getting from this, uh, Jonathan? You're right, it should be quite lemony. So it's a 
a French favourite. They call it Verveine, but in England we call it lemon verbena. Lemon verbena. Okay. So the French like this one? Yeah, the, the market for this is growing because it's caffeine-free, naturally grown. Mm. Mm. Would you say that you're more of a horticulturalist or a businessman? You know, the reason I met you all those years ago is I'm just trying to understand marketing and branding and and thinking about that first, actually, before we got serious about scaling this business up, we had to really understand all those aspects. So it's, horticulture is not the most difficult bit, although tea is a very hard crop to grow. Actually, the branding and marketing and, and the commercials are harder to get right. The thing is, is that you've got to have a great product because perception will only take you so far. The tea that I'm tasting here is not your average cuppa here. Absolutely, yeah. It's very day different. The other thing I wanted to ask you, by the way, what about growing coffee? I suppose that's completely crazy. That can't be done here. It can, actually. We we have done it just so that we couldn't let someone else be the first to do it. <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, who cares, though, Jonathan? You know, English people have tea in their veins. They don't really have coffee running around their veins. And, we, yes, you can grow coffee, and... There is an argument that the better quality coffee beans and, and so on grow higher up in the mountains where it's colder, a bit like they do with tea. So there are some parallels. I don't really see a, a big coffee industry in this country, but I would always start with researching the economics of that industry. And coffee can teach us an awful lot. And if you want to look at a, an industry or a company in that industry, I would immediately go and look up Plimpsol because that's how I started researching tea. So tell us about Plimpsol. Plimpsol is this amazing but very simple insight to any company. So if I take you way back to Samuel Plimpsol, of course, he invented the, the line on the ship. That oh, really? The Plimpsol line? Yeah. The Plimpsol line, which is you know the thing that really transformed shipping and, and commerce around the world. Mm. And then in, in over the last 40 years, it's been adopted by businesses through Plimpsol Publishing, taking that same principle mm. and applying it to any company that you may wish to trade with or buy from or whatever. Mm. But um, it was a way for us to quickly work out who in the tea world was actually making money, who wasn't. You know, Sometimes you, people go into business for different reasons. You, you can't always assume that they're what people want to grow tea for profit. Mm. Um, we do because the purpose of growing tea in this country at Tregothan is to help pay for a botanical garden. So it's very important that we got those fundamentals right. Mm. And uh, Plimsoll helped us to do that and, and still does. And, you know, I, I've worked with them for almost 20 years and found them to be unparalleled. As a British export success story, in fact, Plimsoll Publishing mm -hmm. um, sells insights to companies all over the world, they help companies buy businesses and they help busy managers to really get a grip of what's happening in their own businesses or in their competitors' businesses without having to trawl through mm. you know, endless numbers. Going back to the idea of premium products, one of the things that uh, COVID has come up with is that people are looking for authenticity more so than ever before. These premium teas, people will be looking for stuff like this something which is genuine rather than mass-produced stuff i think it's been happening for a long time and i and I, I guess i've learned some of those words from you like authenticity is such a key thing to this whole project 
what we had actually, we already had the botanical garden. You had this over 100 acres of botanical zoo, if you like, waiting to be converted into wonderful products. Most companies get the product first and then have to go off and create that botanical paradise, which is a good thing to do as well. But we were we were in that very luxurious, privileged position of having the botanical collection to start with. And what we had to do is is then go and find that market, which has been the fun job of the last 20 years, really. Mm, mm. A nice cup of tea, a nice cup of tea. It picks me up, it calms me down. I don't know where I'd be without my nice cup of tea. My nice cup of tea. Mug in hand, I'll handle anything. Life has its door for me. A nice cup of tea. Two sugars, please. In my nice cup of tea. I'm going to have another sip of tea here. I've got to tell you, this tastes like, I know it's a stupid thing for me to say, but it tastes like tea. You've just quoted Prince Philip to the word. No. He came here to plant a tea bush about five years ago. Right. And um, we poured him, of course, a cup of tea from the giant teapot. Yeah. And then he says, hmm, tastes like tea. Really? (laughs) Which is a great relief. And this is because it is, in fact, a builder's brew, Jonathan. What we've given you here is... Oh, this is a builder's brew. A, a very smart builder's brew, but it's what people expect a breakfast tea to taste of. Exactly. It tastes like tea. Yeah. Exactly that. So this one you could put milk in. Oh, this is the milk one. You can let this one stay in the cup. It'll get really strong. This is the one that makes a good dark brown liquor in the cup. So you're looking at a really strong brew, as we would say in this country. Mm. I want to know why England is synonymous with tea expertise, if you like, when we never grew the stuff. It's because we became the master blenders. Mm. And I, I don't, I'm going to try and put this to you, Jonathan, because if I can convince you, I can convince the whole world. That, <laughs> I'm that cynical. Go on. <laughs> no, listen. <laughs> Blend is brand in tea. And actually, Thomas Lipton, one of our heroes in the tea world back in the 18-whatever, Lipton, and now bigger in America than it is here, who, by the way, he sponsored the America's Cup five times and never won. Oh, really? He created the first tea blend, I would say, that was internationally recognisable. And therefore, the international brand that he created is down to a tea blend. Really? And without blend, you wouldn't have consistency. You wouldn't have that ability to recognise and the taste and the look and you know the whole brand experience. Mm. So... Amazing guy, but an amazing brand. And I think tea blending, therefore, is what this country became masters of. Mm. And still around the world, we are known as the home of tea, when in fact, all, all we did was buy in tea from all over the world, create blends, and then export them back to the world. Yeah, amazing. I, I, really, it, 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 it's such a great story, especially from my point of view, from the point of view of uh, branding. The other thing is, is that you are there in Cornwall, and Cornwall is actually becoming a bit of a powerhouse when it comes to food and beverages. Oh, very much. And I'm very fortunate to chair the Cornwall Agri-Food Council. It is Great privilege to be in a county that's really quite small in the UK, but punches well above its weight. I would say on a par with a whole country like Scotland, people associate Cornwall with amazing 
range of food and drink, but also quality. You know, you've got this mm. thing of provenance and authenticity. You've got the clotted cream and the, the pasties, and it goes on and on and on. And um, what we've got to work on, though, is I, I believe tourism helped get that profile to what it is today in a UK context. But now we have the opportunity to take Cornwall to the world. And, you know, for a small part of the world, we can deliver not only tea, but all kinds of other drinks and food that export really well. Indeed. And let me just take a, I'm just going to, because I can't resist it. I'm going to have another sip of final tasting here. Just hold on, just going to have a quick sip here. Mm, definitely chamomile tea. This will send you to sleep, Jonathan. <laughs> it's very smooth and, mm. and I, I like it. Very smooth. It's, very, it's, actually, it's actually very, very delicate. It's not overpowering. It's very subtle. Remember that summery hay-like smell? That's exactly what you get with this. That's a very good way of putting it. You were talking about Cornish business. Is that what you received your OBE for? It was for services to international trade and commerce. The Tregothnan ambition was to create its international headquarters in Cornwall, though it's been here for almost 700 years, to be confident and, and export great produce around the world. And I was often reminded this world doesn't owe us a living. Mm. We have to get out there and earn it. So, you know, innovating and creating great things that people want to buy is, is what we have to do. Mm. How do you see the future of business in our Brexit and post, well, we're not post-COVID yet, unfortunately, but eventually, but in our eventual post-COVID world, what, what's going to happen next for British business? Un unbelievably optimistic. I think uh, we've obviously got off to an, a terrible start to the 20s. If you look at the last roaring 20s, I know we don't want to consider what came after that too much, but certainly they didn't start roaring in, the, in 1920. It took a while to get going. But look, all the ingredients you could say are there for huge success for small businesses, not just the big ones. Mm. I feel talking to lots of small businesses and producers and all kinds of people that this could be a really exciting time ahead for all of us. What would you give if there was just three things that businesses should bear in mind in these very, very difficult times? Always going to start with drinking more tea. That's what fueled the first industrial revolution. <laughs> But it did. They were almost too drunk to do anything before they drank tea. Um, but, so, no, <laughs> but no, seriously, I think people, it's got to be about people. Mm. It, it wouldn't be anything if all we had were great tea bushes or great business products, whatever it is we do. The great British concept of tea, it is something that is so universal. It's like sit down and have a cup of tea next stage of this logical step would be to open tea houses on the high street or around the world. You know, we're saying, oh, well, the, the shopping experience has died on the high street, but people will still go to the high street. And what is there to do? They're going to go and drink tea, Jonathan. You heard it here first. I remember when I was a kid, there was a place in London, which is called, where places actually called Lions Tea Houses. They were the Starbucks before the Starbucks. I've been around America quite a few times looking at the attempts at tea houses over there. And what could happen if we don't get on with it is that we will create, invent, if you like, this contemporary tea experience in the UK and then sit back and it will be commercialized by 
the, the brains of other countries. And we need to be confident to take this tea house format, which we are developing, into other countries. That is very, very, very heartening news because we need to get our high streets back. If we had these Tregoven tea houses, I think it would be amazing. Well, we're also talking to collaborators or um, you know, people who appreciate the th- things you've just said there. For example, the Great Campaign, which is one of the more successful initiatives from the British government over the past 10 or so years. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in yeah, yeah. regular discussion with them about creating exactly that kind of experience. Can you imagine sitting in Tokyo drinking the most British tea in history, surrounded by yep. a curated collection of the best of British, you know, the Aston Martins and the brilliant Rolls Royce, whatever it is that you, you think is best. Love it. Let's take the British experience into the equivalent of the high street and give them tea, give them the best of, of what we are in this country, but add, add to it some of the other amazing things that are famous with being British. Yeah. I think it's about going out there. Pouring a cup of tea, having a conversation, and getting British business on the map again. Could not agree more, Jonathan. You need to write a book about it. <laughs> oh, God, no, not another one. <laughs> no, 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 we don't want to go down that route. <laughs> well, look, tell us about website because we are living in 2021 and, and, and all that sort of idea. To find out more about the tea grown in England, you need to go to Tregothnan, which is T-R-E-G-O-T-H-N-A-N, but just Google the most British tea in history from wherever you are in the world and we can deliver you tea. Well, hopefully once this lockdown three is banished to the distant memory, we'll all get together and we will toast each other to good health, prosperity and a great British international universal future. Thank you, Jonathan. Cheers. Thought and Leaders is a goodbye production. If you're looking for award-winning content for your brand or want to chat about the show, you can either email reinvent at me.com that's reinvent at me.com or why not visit us at www.thoughtandleaders.com that's thoughtandleaders.com Oh, the price of a cup of tea